so glad you're here on this Father's Day, and I just want to say a, a thank you to all of you fathers. I don't know if you realize the impact that you're making, especially can I commend you for being in church today? Here's what you're doing. You're setting an example for your children, for your wives, for your family by saying that worship and the Word of God is a priority. So can I thank you? Can we give our fathers a good hand today? Thank you, fathers. Thank you. And those of you that are spiritual dads, maybe you don't have any children of your own, but you're a spiritual dad, thank you as well, because you're shaping and molding the life of someone. And so I, I, before I start my message today, I do have a dad joke. You guys want to hear a dad joke? This is a courtesy of my friend Charlie here on the front row. In Athens, no one wakes up before noon. Dawn is tough on Greece. Maybe some of y'all get that later. Okay. So we're in a series uh, on revival. You notice the bumper. And I, I can't tell you how much I have been stirred in my spirit over the last few months about the, uh, the condition of our nation. And you guys, you're, you're not unaware. You see the news and you see things happening. But there was something that happened this week that really, really disturbed me. A friend of ours, that actually they were on staff here before, and they left and went and planted the church. Uh, the, the husband, the wife of this family posted something, her, a value of hers on Facebook, something that she truly believed in, a conviction of hers, and was attacked verbally, and then even because of the situation, they called her, she worked at a school, they called her school and tried to get her fired from her job. And as I was thinking about that, my heart broke because this is this is this description of, of what's going on in our nation, how desperate we are need of revival. Can I get an amen? And so I believe that, that this series is not only from God, but it's timely. It's very perfectly timed. And I know that God does, he doesn't do anything uh, haphazardly. He always has something in mind. He always has an intention. And so when I, you guys heard me last week, when I listened to that podcast about a month ago, I knew that God was stirring me to talk about this, this concept, this idea of revival. And I don't know what the images of your mind are, our revival, maybe a series of services. That could be true of revival, but really true, revival is more transformational than that. It's actually something that, that stirs the church up to go beyond the four walls of a building and make change out there. And so we're talking about that. Last week, you heard me talk about the fact that you know, there's, a, there's always an awareness when the church begins to see uh, in the society something needs to change. And, and then we said that what's our next step after we notice something has to change? What was the next step? Hitting our knees. We got to get on our knees and, and pray. And we know that because of the past revivals, there's always been that recognition that something has to change. The church hit their knees and because the church prayed, what happened? God always showed up and moved supernaturally. How many of you believe he still does that kind of thing? How many of you believe he wants to do that kind of thing? I believe that with all my heart. And so the challenge is, folks, is that we can follow that pattern that we see things need to change. Our hearts are broken over the, the state of our world. And, and we, what do we do? What's our next step? We don't talk about prayer. What do we do? We pray. We hit our knees and watch God supernaturally move. That's the formula. And then we looked at a church that's, that's in revival. We looked in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out on his church. That's the day the church was birthed. And we noticed that because of the Holy Spirit, things changed. There was a church that experienced revival. What was the first thing they did? We read it, Acts 1.14. They prayed continuously and God moved but that's not all they did once he started moving they committed themselves they devoted themselves to certain things not only to prayer but to study of God's word remember they they listened to and and studied the apostles teaching the Bible says that they experienced community that they were together all the time having lunch you know doing wings or pizza or something to get together and just have community it said that they were they would go and meet the needs. They would sell something. 
in order to meet the needs of someone else in their community of faith. And so this is how we see in our society today a formula for revival. It starts with an awareness. It, it's, then the next step is prayer. And then once we see God starting to move, we, we commit ourselves and devote ourselves to certain things. And I'm going to talk about that today. But today I want to talk to you fathers directly. Are y'all going to lean in today, fathers? So alarmingly, we, we know what's going on in our country. And I just got my hands on this book called The Model Man by Larry Stockstill. And I haven't finished the whole thing. I've been, I've been reading it. But I found in this some staggering statistics that I want to read to you to kind of set this message up today. Here's what uh, Larry Stockstill said in his re research. He said, 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. I've got a bunch here, but I'm not going to read them all. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists and, and with anger problems come from fatherless homes. Do you see a pattern? What's the pattern? Homes without fathers. Now, there's a direct, obviously there's a direct correlation between the father being, not being in the home and there being some dysfunction. Are you, is, that, is that kind of what we gather today? And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to lay a challenge out there for fathers. And here's what I'll say. Fathers, you're the key to revival. How's that, pastor? Because God has placed you in a leadership role in your family. Amen. Now, here are the things that I want, I want us to look at and continue to look at as we, we talk about fathers being the leaders of the home, studying God's word, we've said it already, prayer, community, meeting the needs of others, worship, and sharing your faith. Now, fathers, since today is Father's Day, I want to acknowledge that you play this huge role in seeing revival. Now, if there's ever been a time you need to step up and lead, it's now. Amen? Amen? And so, fathers, this is your challenge in your family why? Because God has given you this responsibility to lead your home. Can I say this to you? You need to be the loving leader in your home. We don't need any more taskmaster leaders. Amen? We don't need any more fathers who think they're the king of the castle and everybody serves them. That's not what I'm talking about. That's the wrong picture of you leading your home. It's actually the other way around. It's actually you taking up a towel and a basin of water and serving your family. That's good preaching, Pastor. And so let me say this to you today. We need more men of integrity. We need more men who are investing in their families, looking and seeing their families as a, an opportunity to invest in purpose and destiny. We need to see uh, husbands and fathers keeping their word, staying pure before God. And modeling a, a great work ethic. Here's why. Because here's what the scripture says in Proverbs 18, 22. Watch this. He who finds a wife, what? What does he find? A good thing. And receives favor. You want to be favored? Find you a good woman. Amen? Come on, somebody. Secondly, what about your kids? Psalm 127, verse 3. Children are a heritage from who? And watch this, offspring are a reward from him. So here's the question. How do you see your family? Do you see your wife and kids as a nuisance or something you just have to do, like a, just a responsibility? Or do you see them the way Christ sees them, as loved, cherished, and adored? Do you see them as an opportunity for you to show some, like God showed us, right? Remember this, he lavished his love. Do you see your kids and your wife as an opportunity for you to lavish love on them? That's the good question, right? So think about that, men. Are you seeing your families the correct way? Because here's the, here's the reason I say that. You, your role as a husband and father, you need to understand 
what that role is. That's the first thing if you're taking notes. Understand, if they'll put it up there for me, understand your role as husband and father. Now, the Bible gives us some clear instruction about what that role looks like. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5, and let's read this together. It says, for wives, this means submit to your husband as to the Lord. Watch this. For a husband is what? Everybody say it. Head. What does that mean? Again, he's not the taskmaster. No, what is he? He's just simply the leader. That's what that means. He's the leader of the home. God has put a spiritual order in the home, and he's given the husband, the father, the responsibility of leading his home. And here's the example that he follows. Who is he following? He's following, what does it say? As Christ is head of the church. So who's his example he's looking to? He's leading his family the way Christ leads the church. He is the savior of the body, right? As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now watch this. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved who? The church. And what did he do? So instead of you saying, I'm the king and I got my throne, no, you're willing to lay your very life down for your family. You're willing to sacrifice your own wants and needs to make sure that your family is taken care of. That's the picture of a leader, a loving leader of a home. Can I get any man this morning? And so the scriptures are clear about that. Let's keep reading. Make, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself, talking about the church, as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. And you can tell by some guys they love their bodies pretty good. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Catch that. If you love your wife the way you're supposed to, it really means you love yourself. Amen? Do you make that connection this morning? Maybe you've never made that connection, and wow, the lights start going off. Aha, that's how this works. In the same, no, no one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it. There's provision, right? Here's another opportunity for you to take responsibility for, for nurturing and bringing provision to your family, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Can I just stop just for a second and make this statement? Folks, in, in the light of this month, and you guys know what's being celebrated this month, the scriptures never give way. Never did the scriptures ever give reason for somebody to live in a same-sex relationship. It's not in the scriptures, folks. And what's our standard? Our standard is always God's word. Now listen, I'm not saying we're hating, but I'm here to tell you there's nowhere. I can't find it. The only inference you might, I mean, the only way that some people would try to twist it around is to say some of the scriptures say the things they don't really say. That's the only way that people can justify it. But never in the scriptures does God allow for same-sex relationships, including marriage. Because what did he say there? From the very beginning, he's quoting from Genesis. In the very beginning, one man, one woman. Now, folks, when I say these things, I'm coming from a heart of love. But I cannot go against God's word. Amen. So when I'm talking to, to, about marriage, I'm talking about family, I want, you to, I want it to be very clear. One man, one woman. Amen. Y'all with me so far? And so keep reading. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must what? Love his wife as he loves himself, and wife must respect her husband. This, I, most of this message is about men, but can I just speak to the wives today? Maybe your man has not been the model husband, but, but maybe, just maybe, we see beyond his flaws, 
and say, let me respect him and speak some respect and maybe into his future. Amen? Is that good advice for you women today? Amen, women? Amen, men? Y'all going to be quiet on me today. That's okay. So if you're, in a, if you're in a healthy situation in your family, generally it can be where the husband and wife work together as a team. Making decisions together because, men, can I tell you, your wife has some insight you don't. I'll say that she's smarter than you. My wife would say that, right? She has some insight that you don't have. And so her, her insight, her perspective is valuable to the family. And when it's healthy, that can happen. But here's the truth, folks. There is a time when if there's a, maybe there's not a, a, a total agreement about which direction the family should go. That's the opportunity for the man to say, you know what? I've prayed. I've heard from God. We're going this direction. Even if the wife says something else. So that's where you lead. Sometimes you have to lead because God, you've heard from God. Why? Because he's given you the role of spiritual leadership. But it doesn't mean you never listen to your wife. Amen. Come on, somebody. And so if we're talking about this idea of revival, sometimes the husband has to step up and say, we're going this direction because I believe God's leading us to revival. Maybe he's leading us to a deeper faith, a deeper walk with him, a deeper commitment to revival. Amen? That's where the husband needs to step up. Now, let's talk about in terms of your kids. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. One translation says provoke, right? Instead, bring them up in the training and what? Everybody say it out loud. Instruction of your own ideas, of your own philosophy, what does it say? Instructions of the Lord. Where do you get instructions from the Lord? His word. And so there's an inference there that you're going to be a, a person of God's word. You're going to know God's word. You're going to study God's word. You're going to live out God's word. Fathers, I'm talking to you today. You've got to be that example. So in terms of discipline and instruction, here's how, here's how it works. If you lean into this, it's me teaching my kids, my family, as I'm learning from Christ. I'll say it this way. My ability to discipline and instruct my kids is a direct result of how much I'm learning and growing from Christ. Let me say that one more time. My ability to discipline and instruct my kids is a direct resort of how much I'm learning and growing from Christ. Let me say it again this way. You can't give what you don't have. If you're not following God's word, if you're not praying, you can't give something you don't have. And remember, you're the spiritual leader in the home. If you're, not leading, if you're leading out of empty, your family's going to be empty. That's good preaching, Pastor. Which leads me to the second point. Be a Christ-like example for your kids to follow. It's your responsibility to be the Christ-like example for your kids to follow. Amen. Fathers, what if you said this to your family, to the people in your circle? Maybe the same thing that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Watch what Paul says. And you should imitate me. How? As I imitate Christ. Boy, that's, that's setting yourself up pretty high there, isn't it? So maybe you say this to your family. Listen. Listen, Lori. Listen, Garrett. Listen, Tyler. Follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Boy, now their eyes are on you, amen? 
You got the target on you, and so now you have a responsibility to step up and put your money where your mouth is, amen? Because talk's cheap, right? So here, here's what I, I went looking and, and found some characteristics of a father who wants to be a great example for his kids, and I landed on Focus on the Family. Anybody heard of Focus on the Family? Great ministry, uh, an advocate for families. And so here's some of the things I found on that website. It says, here, a characteristic of a father who wants to have a great example. He must have a strong connection with his heavenly father. Finding his happiness in Christ first. Notice he didn't say find his happiness in money or his position or his work. No. What is it? What is it? Christ first. Realizing that he can lead effectively only if he maintains an intimate relationship with the Lord. Number two. He must be balanced in his commitments and nurturing his concern for the mental and emotional needs of each family member. So for him to be able to do that, fathers, for you to be able to do that, you got to have some awareness, don't you? you got to be present and be in, in with the family because if, if all you're doing is working and providing and doing your own thing, you never have an awareness of the emotional and, and mental needs of your family. So you got to be present in order to be able to do that. Amen? Number three, he must be proactive, spotting potential challenges to the welfare, welfare of his wife and children and coming up with workable solutions to the problems. So, Folks, what's the example of that? Maybe you see some things happening in the culture that are destructive to the family, and you recognize them, and you say, you know what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will follow biblical values. Maybe we take a stand for some things that may not be popular in culture, but it's because of what God's Word says. Folks, that's the idea of being proactive. Amen? Standing up for your family and defending it in the, when it's necessary. Here's another one. And he must be characterized by integrity. Seeking to be the safest, I love this part, wisest and most respected man his family has ever known. Well, I want to be like that. I want my children, my wife, when they think of me, to think that they're in, a place, in, the, they're in a, an environment of safety. That they're in an environment that, that there's wisdom. When they ask me a question, not that I have all the answers. How many men realize you don't have all the answers? And when I don't have all the answers, I can say, you know what? I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know, but I know where the answers lie, amen? I know where to go to find them. That's wisdom. And then the most respected. So I've heard it said over and over again. You can be successful in the public arena, in the public eye, but if the people closest to you that know you best, Ron, don't respect you, that's a problem. I would much rather be disdained in the eyes of the public and respected by my wife and my kids and the people in my circle, amen? How many of you feel that way? That's a, that's this, we're talking about the example of a father. Here's another one. A spiritual servant Leader, let me say that one more time. A spiritual, everybody say servant. Servant leader then imitates Christ. He's tuned in to his family's needs and concerned for its spiritual welfare. He looks for ways to help its members grow in their relationship with God. He provides physical support, grace, and encouragement. He is ready to protect, help, and defend in hard times and good times, in season and out of season. He's ready to lay down his life for those who have been entrusted to his care. Does that, not like, does that sound like Ephesians 5 to you? The way Christ led to lay his life down, to, to provide, to bring encouragement and spiritual direction? Gentlemen, your family's watching you. Whether you like it or not, you're a role model. You see, the moment that you said I do to your wife, you gave up some of your rights, the same things, you, the th some of the same things you did when you were single, you're not doing anymore because you made a brand new commitment. As a matter of fact, you made a covenant before God. 
I know this is hard for some people, but I'm here to tell you, this is a challenging message, not because I want to make you feel bad. I want to challenge you. Why? Because our, our nation desperately needs revival. So I'm going to tell you the truth today. Your family's watching you. You're a role model. But can I just give you some grace today? Can I give you a little breath, a kind of a sigh of relief? You don't have to be perfect. Come on, women, help me with here. You don't have to be perfect, husband, father. All they need to do is to see that you're making an effort. They're not, they're not expecting you to be perfect. If they are, the problem's on them. Amen. Which leads me to this last point. You're an example that Christ of Christ for your family, which if you do these things, you're setting your family up to experience revival. So this last point, lead the way in seeking God for revival. But remember, you can't give what you don't have. So if you're not committed to prayer and studying God's word and all these things, you can't do this, can you? But I got good news for you. Today's a brand new day, isn't it? You can start spiritual disciplines, habits today that will lead your family toward revival. Amen. So let's talk about that for a second. The first thing you've got to do, though, is do an examination. Where's your heart today? Where is your heart, gentlemen? How is your family doing? Okay, make it a little uncomfortable. If you do some genuine soul searching, some of you will say, things aren't going so well. Is that right? But how many of you know change starts with awareness? The moment you realize things aren't going so well in my home, can you do something about it? Can you? Yes. A resounding yes. There is always hope, folks. And so for you to say, yeah, things aren't going so well. And I got some questions for you. Are you bitter and angry toward your, your wife? Are you unforgiving and cruel towards her? Ooh, ouch, pastor. Are you flirting with someone? Come on, we're going to get real in here right now. Who's not your spouse? Are you looking at pornography? Are you participating in gossip? Are you entertaining temptations that will ruin your marriage? Again, those aren't meant to condemn you. They're meant to bring awareness. And if there's yes to any of those, how many of you know the grace of God is sufficient? So here's another question. What if the lack of revival is our greatest indicator that we need to step up our family life? Maybe revival needs to start in our homes even maybe before they start right here in the church. Because a group of families who are experiencing revival will bring revival to the church, amen? Are y'all with me this morning? Is this helping anybody? 1 Peter 3, 7. Here's what Peter says. Husbands, in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Everybody say respect. As the weaker partner and as, everybody say heirs. Heirs with you of a gracious gift. What's that gracious gift of life? It's the gospel. It's, the, it's a full life that Christ offers us. And so what he's saying is, as a family, you realize your role. You realize you're the spiritual head. You realize that your wife is different than you. Not bad, just different, right? And you treat them with respect. And then you're both heirs. You're both a part of the family of God, the church of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Christ died for you both. Amen. And then watch this. So that nothing, everybody say nothing, will do what? 
Does that not infer that maybe our prayers can be hindered because things aren't so good at home? Does anybody else gather that from that passage? Is it possible that because my family life is not where it needs to be, or I'm not doing the right things with my wife, that maybe sometimes my prayers are hindered? Is that what, is that not what he's getting at? So what's the remedy? Change. All of your petitions before the throne of God for each individual need, big or small, important or unimportant, can be put on hold if your marriage is not right before God. Ouch. All of the prayer for revival, and how I many you know revival, prayer is the key to revival? All of the prayer that you would do for revival, yet countless millions of prayers for revival are marked as hindered. Why? Because our families aren't healthy. I'll ask you another question. Is there something hindering your prayers right now? Men of God, let me say this to you. Do you want revival in your city? Do you want revival in your nation? How many many men would say that? I need it. I want it. I want revival in my world. Love your wife. Love her as Christ loved the church. Be willing to sacrifice Love your kids. Discipline your kids. Be an example for your kids. And I promise you, those prayers, man, God will hear. Amen. So I'm, I want to give you some practical things. We, this is going to be a, a kind of a thread we're going to weave throughout this whole series of revival. When we look at Acts 2, the church, and we said that there were a church that was experiencing revival, and we looked last week, and we said, number one, they prayed continuously, right? I want you to, you to see this, that this is a, a formula, so to speak, for you to, and your family to experience revival. Are y'all with me? Are you with me this morning? So here's, here's the key. Lean into this. Number one, fathers lead the way in revival by leading the way in prayer. Personally, you got to have your own time with God and with your family Turn off the TV. Set aside some time, either early morning or in the evening, to pray with your family. Lead your family by example to prayer. What will happen? Your kids will catch on to how important prayer is. And they'll do it too. Amen? You're leading the way in revival. Engage with the prayer efforts of our church. We're committed to prayer. We are a prayer-driven church. So every first Saturday of the month at 9 a.m., we're in this room and we're seeking the face of God. Husbands, fathers, lead your kids here. Lead your wives here. And let's pray together to see God move. Amen? They need to see you engaging in the life of the church in prayer. Number two, read the scriptures together. Read them with your kids. Here's what will happen. They'll they'll understand. They'll begin to see the importance of engaging God's word for themselves. Especially as they see you living it out. As they see you being confronted with scripture and changing your behavior. Here's the problem, folks. A lot of times when when scripture and us don't line up, we don't like it because the scriptures do it telling us something different and so what do we do instead of changing our behavior we just change what we believe that's what's happening in our culture today when you're confronted with truth how do you respond let them see you engaging God's word let them see you getting into a group a life group here at grow at, uh, almost said grow full life church Let them see you engaging in God's word with other Christians. Remember, the early church did that. They prayed together. They engaged God's word together. Number three, worship with your kids at home. In those moments of prayer and getting into God's word, lay aside some time just to worship God, to acknowledge God for who he is, his greatness, his power, his majesty, his mercy, his grace, his faithfulness. Can I go on? And then let them see you, and again, I've already commended you for it because you're here today. Let them see you worshiping corporately. Let them see you making 
church attendance a priority by coming in this room. And I, I'm not telling you to, to be fake about it, but lifting up holy hands to God, lifting your voice in song, clapping, kneeling, whatever it is, every legitimate biblical way to worship, let, them, let your kids and your wife see you doing that. Why? Because you're the spiritual leader of your home. And you're wanting, how many say, I want revival? If you want revival, here's what you're going to do. Amen. Number four, lead the way in getting connected in community. Again, life groups. You see, we're prayer driven. We're grounded on the word. I'm talking about core values here at Full Life. We're passionate worshipers. Amen? We believe in authentic relationships. And so we get connected in community in a life group. Because when you experience community with other believers, there's something special that happens. The early church was an example of this. They loved getting together. They loved hanging out and eating. They loved a little... I don't know what y'all's favorite food. They love getting together and doing that. They loved a good steak off the barbecue. Come on, somebody. Anybody cooking today? I got a good steak I think I'm going to grill this afternoon. Do you, see the, do you see the importance of community? I believe if, if one of the things that COVID ever taught us is we need each other. And I would say this. As the days grow more and more evil, the church, we're going to need community more than ever. Because, folks, our worldview is not popular. In case you haven't noticed, the Christian worldview is not popular. And so we're going to need each other more than ever in community. You, can't, you, don't, you don't have to live life alone. You don't. Now, you choose to. This is all your choice. I've heard this. I've, I've been in church a long time, been in ministry a long time, and I've heard every excuse in the book. Well, that church, I can't connect well with that church. Well, have you tried? How many times have you literally signed up for a group? We'll offer it. That's all we can do. All we can do is say, here's the opportunity. We have life groups. Maybe you don't see one that you like. Well, guess what? There's an opportunity for you to lead one. Come on, somebody. Remember, dads, you're stepping up. Maybe that's your charge. Oh, I don't see a life group that would fit. I'll just lead one. I'll step up and be a leader and lead my, a group. Amen. Come on, somebody. I'm talking to you about the value of community. Lead the way in serving. Bring your kids and let them see you serving. Never alone. Perfect opportunity for that. Also, I want to tell you this. This, 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 year, this month, this summer, June and July, we've got these serve groups we're doing. What a great opportunity for you to lead your family. Yesterday, I'm not, I'm not okay, maybe I am patting myself on the back. Yesterday, our serve group, we went out to Old Rope Mill Park. You guys know where that's at? An awesome place to go kayaking, and, to, and they have bike trails and walking trails. And so you know what we did? Something very simple. We just had those picker-upper things. What do they call them? Picker-upper things maybe? Okay. And we were picking up trash. Big deal, pastor. No, if you bring your kids to something like that, they're going to see, you know what? My dad cares about his community. My dad doesn't mind taking a Saturday morning and picking up some trash. It's an easy thing to do to be an example to your kids. What does that have to do with being, having revival? Everything. Because remember, revival's from in here. Let them see you serving at Never Alone. Let them see you leading the way. If there's a need, filling it. This is a model, a lifestyle that was modeled by Jesus. Amen? The Bible says when he got his disciples together, we've read this multiple times, that he taught them about what servanthood looks like. It's not lording over people. It's actually laying your life down. He said, I'll show you the example of what a servant looks like. I will lay my very life down for my church. That's servanthood, folks. Can you lead the way, men, in that? 
Number six, lead the way in sharing your faith. The gospel is the most powerful message on the planet. It has the power to transform the heart. And that's exactly what our our country needs. That's exactly what your family needs. That's exactly what this church needs. We need people who have transformed hearts. We don't need more laws. We don't need more behavior modification. All we need is the transforming power of the gospel to get a hold of some folks and we'll see a change. Amen. That's exactly what revival is all about. It's about transformation. Remember what was the first thing that we noticed? Something needs to change. Folks, we have the remedy. The remedy. Listen to your pastor. The remedy is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died a cruel death on the cross, walked out of the tomb victorious. That's the answer. That's the message of the hour. Amen. Plain and simple. And we need to be sharing it wherever you go, in your neighborhood, on your job, with your family, wherever you go, let your kids, let your family see you sharing your faith. Here was something that really got my heart. I saw this quote from C.H. Spurgeon. It says, if you're a professing Christian, but cannot say that you have no greater joy than the conversion of your children, you have reason to question whether you ought to have made such a profession at all. Your greatest ministry is your children. Amen. I got some questions for you. What if the greatest asset to revival isn't the preacher, but families in the church? What if the best method to preach the gospel to a lost city isn't door-to-door evangelism, but child-to-child discipleship in our own home? What if our greatest strategy for revival isn't to spend more, more money on large outreach events, but to spend quality time investing in our marriages and our children? You see, I, we don't overlook the importance of crusades and evangelistic outreaches. That's not what we're talking about. But what if we, we made our own families a, church, a, a priority? Because, again, I could be preaching to thousands and my family be falling apart. That's not healthy, folks. I'm not doing any good for the kingdom if I'm doing that and my family falls apart. So what if we first focus on our families and then on the outreach? Amen? Are y'all with me today? I want to say this to every father in this room, especially the ones who felt like you failed miserably. This message is not about condemnation. There's grace for you today. If you've not been the model father, it's not too late. There's grace. Commit yourself. But here's what you have to do. You can acknowledge, I haven't been the model father, and keep on going in your ways. That's not going to do you any good. And so it starts with awareness. I haven't been the model father. But the good news is, the the slate can be wiped clean, and today can be a brand new day for you to live your life as the model father and husband. If you mess up, quickly admit it and move on. Don't wallow in the guilt. Don't wallow in the shame. Because here's what I believe. Your family will respond to the changes that you're making. Charlie, my friend Charlie, I asked him for permission before time. He, he, his past life was one of, of selfishness and doing things for himself. And because of that, his relationship with his daughters was messed up. And for a long time, they wouldn't even speak to him. But can I give you some good news? Over the last few months, he's been able to have lunch with them and dinner with them. It's not perfect, but there's some progress being made. Is that right, Charlie? Can we give God praise for that? So I say that, I say that because I want to offer hope to you. Maybe you're in the same situation. Maybe you've got kids that won't speak to you. Why not make that first move and say, you know what? I'm deeply sorry. 
I'm deeply sorry for the way I've mistreated you. I'm deeply sorry that I wasn't the model father. But today, this day, I make you a promise. I'm changing. And even if I mess up, I'll admit it. I'll ask you for forgiveness. But this is a changed man. Amen. How many would say I need that? Can I tell you? Listen to your pastor. I've needed more grace with my wife and kids than I could even imagine. There have been so many times in my 20-something years as a father that I have blown it miserably. And I hate the fact that I did that. But can I tell you this morning, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that my family has shown me grace time and time again. Are you thankful for that? I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful that my kids, they want to have something to do with me. This morning, this morning, can I read to you what my, my sons wrote? To, is that okay? And I'm not doing this to brag. I'm just doing this. If you set the right example, they'll do the same thing. That's the reason I share it. So here's my oldest son, my youngest son, Tyler, first. He was the first to send it. Happy Father's Day, Dad. You've taught us what it means to truly love and serve others like Christ and to be the best followers of Jesus we can be. All by example. Love you, Dad. Thank you for everything. And then my, young, my oldest son, Garrett, Happy Father's Day, Dad. Your wisdom, patience, perseverance, ability to honor, even when others don't reciprocate it, and a pure heart for the Lord never cease to amaze me. Praying that I can follow that path as I continue in ministry, no one like you, Pops, I love you. And again, I'm, that, yes, fine, yes. I'm not saying that to brag. It's not, that's nothing, I would never read that if, if you guys thought that. I'm only saying it because I want to give you hope. And here's the reason, because my oldest son, I remember one instance where I, I embarrassed him in a Longhorn Steakhouse. And yet, he had the grace to forgive me and make that statement. Are y'all with me today? There's hope for you. If you've blown it a million times, they still want you to be their dad. They still want you to be the example. They want you in their lives. All you got to do is show some effort. Amen. Lead the way in revival. I got a video I want to show you to honor dads. Whether, you, whether you've blown it or not, I guarantee you, your kids want to say something to you. Watch this. This is slightly intimidating. <laughs> Dad, what about me makes you proud? Oh, man. Um... Dad, what about me makes you proud? Dad, what about me makes you proud? <laughs> oh, man. Dad, what about me makes you proud? And I have to answer that one? Yeah. Yes. Just about everything that you do. You're loving. You're funny. I could go on and on. <laughs> what makes me proud about you is you just being yourself. I had trouble with alcohol. It was actually an intervention. Even with all the other people there, you were the, the real reason that I made the decision to go into the treatment center that I did. And uh, thank you. Thank you. You're helpful. Yeah. You forgot the funny part. <laughs> your attention to uh, hygiene. <laughs> Dad, I am grateful to you for choosing to stay when I was little. Mm -hmm. um, Why am I crying? <laughs> At the time when I'm graduating and I'm packing up and leaving, then it's really going to hit me. And I think about a time when if you're not around, like that would be awful. <laughs> but like you're the you're the person that would always laugh. Dad, I'm grateful because we didn't know how long you were gonna be with us, so we're so happy that you're still here. Dad, 
I'm proud of you for knowing that the most important thing was to just give your kids so much time. I've always been impressed by you. You made it easy. Thanks. I miss having the chance to just check in with you. I miss your sketchbooks. I love you. I love you too. You got it. We don't say it enough. Hey. I love you, Dad. <laughs> it doesn't compute until they're gone. <laughs> so tell them now. Sort of weird standing so close to you. <laughs>